Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus speaking, who hears these words of mine and acts on them, does what I tell them to do, they'll be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Then the rain fell. Okay. Go back to verse 24. I just, I just caught something. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Next verse. The rain fell. <laughs> I just got this, and I just now. Y'all ready? I mean, I got something that I planned, but I want to stop just for a minute right here. Do what God says, but expect the rain to fall. He never said it was going to be easy. Do you see that? I'm just, I'm saying it as good as I can right now. The ra- Listen, do what I say. The rain fell. I'm telling you right now, when you are obedient to God and you do what God tells you, it doesn't make you... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, huh? Exempt. Exempt from the rain falling. That's a word for somebody right now. Do, do what I tell you to do, but expect there's going to be rain. And the rivers are going to rise. And the winds are going to blow. Are you reading it with me? And it's going to pound your house. Get ready. But it did not collapse. Come on, somebody. I've done what you said, but God, I know I'm not exempt from trouble, but I I know there's going to be rain. I know the river's going to rise. I know the winds are going to blow, and I know it's going to pound my house, yet I know that what I've built will not collapse. It'll stand because it's built on the rock. It didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the winds blew and it pounded the house, but it collapsed. And read the next part. And it collapsed with a great crash this morning I want to talk about doing not just hearing this is the second sermon series in the series I've entitled cancel culture are you familiar with cancel culture do you know what that is when I say that it's 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 society canceling anything that doesn't go along with the status quo. Let me just be real plain and, and clear. 
I'm not against anybody saying anything. If you're full of hatred and you want to speak hatred, speak hatred. It helps me know where you're at. I like people who just say it. If you're a racist, be a racist. And let everybody know you're a racist. If you're a conservative, speak conservative things. Say it. Say it loud. Scream it from the hilltop. If you're a liberal, be a liberal and, and shout it from the rooftops and let everybody know what you feel. I don't believe in silencing anybody. Because listen, I'm gonna say teach, I'm gonna say, talk this word, and I'm gonna shout it from the hilltops, and I don't want anybody silencing me. I don't want anybody canceling me. So I say, say what you want to say. Believe what you want to believe. I don't believe in canceling people that don't believe like I believe. But since everybody's canceling stuff, I thought I'd get in on the thing, canceling myself. And there's something I want to cancel. I want to cancel cultural Christianity. This is a check-the-box Christianity. It's uh, people who identify as a Christian but don't adhere to the faith. Uh, Has more to do with the background and their family, uh, how they were raised more than it does conviction. They're a check-the-box Christian. They're a Christian because, well, they're not Buddhist. They're a Christian because, well, I'm not a Muslim. They love the good works of Jesus, but they don't give in to the Lordship, surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. They hang around the church, but they're not the church. They make giving and church attendance just another good deed to do. Some of the other identifying marks of a cultural Christian is someone who denies the inspiration of Scripture or or just the ones they don't like. So you like this part, but you don't like that part. And your like drives you so hard that it begins to be not a I don't like this and I like this. I believe this part and I don't believe this part. Ignore and downplay repentance. Don't believe you need to repent for anything. You tolerate sin, or cultural Christians do, to the point where they celebrate it. Their big deal is sin, sin, in an effort to make their sin okay. But the point is, sin is sin, and we got to get to a place where we hate all sin. We don't hate the sinner, we love the sinner, but we hate sin. We hate sin because of what it does to to our families. I hate sin because of what it's done to people in this church. It's separated them. It's destroyed marriages. It's, 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 it's tore them apart. It's put a wedge between them and God. Not on God's part, on their part. Talk about God, but little to do about Jesus. That's probably a cultural Christian. These people try to do enough religious stuff to gain a sense of well-being, feeling good about themselves with little to no devotion to Christ. They say, if you love Jesus and do good things, won't ever have no problems. And this is the last thing I I want you to focus in on right here before I go into the Word. 
They focus on the love of Jesus and his acceptance without understanding and believing that there is a real hell and also that God requires obedience and sacrifice. We want a Christianity without obedience and sacrifice and there is no such Christianity. And that's what I want to talk about today. So try to stay awake for the next 20 minutes. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Did you hear that? Now that goes along with what I just told you in Matthew chapter 7, right? Build your house like God tells you to. And James tells us, now who's James? Anybody remember from last week? James is the half-brother of Jesus. He didn't become a believer until after Jesus rose again. Because your family is the hardest to to believe. So he couldn't imagine. You don't, don't, don't give him a hard time because, I mean, just think about it. What if your brother was, was, was the son of God? You'd have a hard time believing it, wouldn't you? He didn't believe it. The Bible says in James chapter, uh, John chapter uh, 4, I think, that, or chapter 1, I think, uh, verse 12, that his brethren didn't even believe him. He didn't get saved until after the resurrection. And James writes in a pretty harsh way, a pretty in-your-face, straight way. Basically, his writing is like this. If you're a Christian, you say you're a Christian, then live like a Christian. I didn't say act like a Christian. God ain't looking for actors. He's looking for people who live this life. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like somebody who looks at his own face his natural face in a mirror he looks at himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. So that's the two things we're talking about, a hearer and a doer. And it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. Now, so it's, it's pretty simple, right? James is saying it's not enough just to be a hearer you got to do what you hear. I've got a two and a half year old son named Judah. He's, to me, I may have, uh, I may have parent dysphoria, but to me, he's the best looking little boy I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he's just a good looking kid. And for a, for a while, he was stuck on her. That's my wife. He was stuck on her. He just wanted to be with her all the time. Now, he's okay with me. He still don't want to be with y'all, but he's okay with me. She left the other day, left yesterday uh, and the day before. 
And he was cool. He didn't cry. He didn't say, he just kept on going. Bye, mama. See? He's, he's growing up so fast. She knows things that I don't know. Like she knows there's timelines when children are in the crib, when they come out of the crib, when they go to the bed. I don't know those things. But y'all women, y'all know those things. Well, she told me a while back, it's time for Judah to get out of the cage. Well, I call it a cage. She calls it a pack and play. You know what I'm talking about? But it's a cage is really what it is. It's a bed with four walls. To do what? To keep him in, right? She said, it's time to get him out. And some of y'all think, well, y'all didn't have a crib for him. Well, listen, after you have the first child and you buy, paint up the room and you buy the crib and you do all those wonderful things, that second one, <laughs> hey, especially when you bought done all that stuff and the, my first child did never, never slept one night in her crib. So you learn, live and learn. So Judah got a pack and play. And she told me one day, she said, it's time to get him out of that pack and play and put him in his own bed. I thought to myself, you've lost your mind. That joker is not going to lay in a bed. He, at this time, he was already breaking out of his cage. I watched him one night, y'all know the lie. I, one day, we had put him to bed like we always done. We were in the living room watching TV. And all of a sudden, Judah comes walking in the living room. I thought, what in? How did you do that? Well, I wanted to know really how he done that. Because he wasn't even two years old at that time. And I, I, I put him up, put him back in there. Not put him up. I put him up. Well, you know, I did. I put him up. I was done. It was time for him to go to bed. Put him up. And I said, I'm going to watch this joker. And I watched him. He grabbed hold of the, the, the packing place right beside a what size? A queen bed? Right beside a queen, beside a queen bed. And I watched him. He grabbed hold of the bedspread and he pulled his way all the way up on top, Carl, on top of the queen size bed. I mean, this off the ground as far as higher than this stage is. And I thought part of me wanted to stop him at that point because I didn't want him to hurt himself. But part of me said, no, nah, I want to watch, see how this plays out. <laughs> so I did. That joker stood up on the bed. Y'all, he just started walking. Walked slap off the bed. <laughs> fell right in the floor and got up. That's how he done it. He didn't scoot down. He didn't try to feel his way. He just, just off. And didn't break a bone. It was amazing. Uh, I told him, so the other day, well, we got him in his bed, in a normal bed, and he lays there. He done good for a little while, but now he gets up. And when he gets up, he gets up now like we can't see him. And he puts a blanket, he has a little blankie and a little elephant named Jimmy. And... We'll put him in the bed, he'll be quiet, and he'll get on his belly. I mean, all the way down on the ground, and he'll take his elbows, and he'll start belly crawling 
out of his bedroom into the living room like we can't see. With Jimmy in one hand and the blanket wrapped around him like Superman. And I, so a couple nights ago, I got him. I put him on top of that queen bed so he could look eye to eye at me. And I said, listen here now, Judah. I said, I talked to him like he was grown. And I said, look at me. And he'd look down and I'd pull his head up and say, no, 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 no. Look at me. He'd look up and I'd chase his eyes trying to get, I said, now listen. And I told him, I said, I want you to get in this bed. I want you to lay there. And I don't want you getting up. I said, you lay down in that bed. Now, for the several nights, you've got up out of that bed. And you've, you've walked in here. You've come in here. You've come in our bedroom. You've went in Abriel's bedroom. And I'm telling you now, Judah, I've had enough. I want you to lay in this bed. If you don't lay in this bed, there are going to be some, there are going to be some consequences that you're going to have to pay. So you better get it, understand what I'm saying, and lay in this bed. I said, do you hear me? He said, hear me? <laughs> hear me. Never had anybody say that. Back to him. I said, no. I said, boy, do you? I said, do you hear me? Hear me? I said, boy, get in that bed and lay down. And you know what? I think that's kind of how we are. The Lord is saying, I want you to do this now, do that, and do this. Now, I've already told you in my word to do it, and you know what we say? Hear me? God says, I want you to do this and do that. Do you hear me? We say, hear me? You know why? Because we don't want to make the change. We don't want to... Let's face it, always do what God is telling us to do. But we've got to get to a place where we love God more than we love us. Where we love what God wants more than what we want. And you say, well, pastor, are, at, at times are we going to want what God wants? Yes. Or yes. Are there times where we're not going to want what God wants? Yes. Yes. You are. Look, look what it says. It says, but the one who looks, verse 25, who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres. Do you understand that doing what God wants you to do ain't easy? Sometimes you've got to persevere through it. You've got to do what God's telling you to with gritting your teeth. Because it always don't feel good, but it's always good for us. And the Bible says it's like looking into a mirror. He said, he said, when you're a hearer of the word, but not a doer, it's like you look into a mirror and you see yourself, but you forget. You walk right away and forget what you look like. Could you imagine standing in front of a mirror, stuff's, boy, I'm sweaty. <laughs> Things, and you look in the mirror, stuff's hanging out your nose. You're sweaty, your hair's jacked up, and you look at yourself and you say, and you walk on. You do nothing about it. 
How stupid would that be? And that's exactly what James says. When you hear the word, it cuts you. It, it, It shows you who you are, doesn't it? He said it's like a mirror. And you see yourself and... A lot of times we don't like what we we see. So it's easier, ain't it, for us to just ignore what God's telling us to do. Would anybody testify in here this morning and say, I've heard God tell me to do some stuff, but I just don't I just don't do it. Anybody? I hear God speaking, but I see what I see what He's saying. He's got a point. He's right. But I'm not ready. What would keep someone from doing what God tells them to do? To make the change that God's telling them to make. What would keep somebody from doing that? Mm, probably. Pain. I think pain. But see, pain is a part of progress. See, what what God asked me to do, oftentimes, is painful. Change is painful. When God asks us to do something, It requires change. For example, look what this says. Now, I I come up with some of these, but I tried to ask the Lord to help me. So, look what this says. So notice when I point it to me, all I see is me. And you need to be worried about what God's saying to you. Not what God's saying to the person beside you. Because see, when I look in the mirror of God's word, it's talking to me. On this mirror, now I wrote these things. I kind of, this kind of funny. Not, not tithe isn't funny, but tithe. You know, sometimes God's asking us to give. Say amen. amen. But we can't because we don't trust him enough. I mean, really, we don't. What would keep us tethered down? Our trust issues. What would keep us from changing and doing what God tells us to do? Well, you believe that what you're doing, I know it is for me, is better than what God can do. So I don't want to give up something because I really don't trust that God would give me back something better. Look, look, look here. So tithe, look, move out. Should have said, or get married. Huh? Yeah, I know. I said y'all don't want to talk about it. Give. Maybe I got one over here that's better. No, it ain't too bad. It ain't pretty bad. Look, in the relationship. Did you know that that's how God talks? He don't say thou shalt. You must have ended the relationship. No, that's not how God talks. God says stuff like, you need to give. You need to get out. 
or you need to get married. Uh, you need to tithe. You need to end the relationship. Some of you have been holding on to something just because it's familiar. And God wants to do so much more in your life. Hey, look, look, look what this says. Can you see that? Golly, that's heavy. There we go. Look. Forgive. Now, I didn't write this, but look, somebody, forgive, and they underline that person. I like that because you know who that person is. You need to forgive that. Are you listening to what I'm saying this morning? That person. And then down here at the bottom, sometimes the word of God will tell me, lay down that weight, that sin, that thing that's weighing me down. Let me ask you something. What is God telling you? What are you ignoring? Let me, let me tell you something about faith and works. I told you it's painful, right? You remember the story of Abraham? The Bible says Abraham believed and it was, he was made righteous. But then you know what later on God asked Abraham to do? That took work, action. He said, I want you to sacrifice your son, Isaac. Now that's hard, is it not? This was a son that was given to Jacob by promise, if you don't know the story, by faith. He was late in age, an old man, and he had a child. And then God's saying, I want you to sacrifice this child to me. And that makes absolutely no sense. But you know what he done? He done what God told him. They took him up the mountain and he went to go sacrifice him. God stopped him. And he provided a sacrifice for him. I'm wondering if what God is asking us to do is hard. It usually is. Verse 25 says, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not a forgetful here, but a doer who works this person will be blessed in what he does. How many times have you heard the word and just heard it? See, hearing the word doesn't change anything. Applying the word to your life is what brings about change. You can hear all the good Good messages and all a bunch of good preaching. You can watch it online. You can whatever you want to do. But if you don't apply what you hear, it ain't doing you no good. And that's what it says in verse 26. Look what it says. So if anyone thinks he's religious, are you reading this with me? Without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless. He said, you can hear it all day long. 
See, but God is asking us to make some changes in our lives. And the first thing he's wanting us to change is our conversation. If anyone among you thinks he's religious, this isn't religious in a bad term. This is James is using this religion that he would use later on in the chapter, undefiled, pure religion. And he'll describe what that is. And he says, if anyone thinks he's religious, but he doesn't control his mouth, what he has is useless. And I'll say it's useless and it's powerless. We've got to change the way we talk. You say, well, I, can't, I don't know if I can do that. You can't on your own. That's, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you're a born-again believer, and if you say you're a child of God, then you've got, it's got to change the way you talk, changing your conversation. Not only does it have to change your conversation, if I was listening to this preaching, I'd write that, by the way, I'd write down conversation. That's what I'd write down. My conversation needs to change. And then I'd write down below it, compassion. That's what the writer says. He first talks about conversation, and then he talks about compassion. If you're a child of God, then you got to have compassion on people. The people you turn your nose up to, you got to stretch your hand out to now. It changes the way you look at people. Because when you see a drug addict, you don't see a drug addict. You see, if it wasn't for the grace of God, that'd be me. Everything changes. When you see a homeless person, you don't think, well, I wonder what they've done. I wonder how they screwed up, messed up. No, you say, but for the grace of God, so go I. Could have been me. You have compassion on people. You have compassion on people that others wouldn't give compassion to. Look what it says. This is pure and undefiled religion before God. James said, this is what it is. To look, don't be a hearer only. You gotta be a doer. You gotta change your conversation and you gotta have compassion. You gotta look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now let me tell you that, that's very applicable and you can just take it for what it is and you can take, take care of orphans and you can take care of widows, but I wanna take it a step further. I believe this is what James is saying. You gotta have compassion on people who, who are orphans, who've never known the love of a father or the love of the father. And then it says, and, and, and widows, I believe that's the person who's known, known love and lost love. And there is, that's the only two types of people in this world. People that have never known love and people that have known love and lost love. And everybody falls into one of those two categories. And God's word is saying, have compassion on them. Check your conversation. Check your compassion. And here's the last thing. Check your conduct. The last part of that verse is, says to keep oneself sustained from, unstained, excuse me, from the world. Do you hear the wording of that? I don't want to get stained, even stained, by sin. Now, I know we've made sin a thing where it's not that bad, right? But I'm telling you, sin is bad. 
sin kills, it steals, it destroys. And if we love God, we've got to make sure we keep ourselves unstained from sin. There's a bad word now. It starts with an H. Nobody likes to use it anymore, especially preachers. But it's this, holiness. Holiness. You know what that means? Has nothing to do with the way one dresses. But then again, it does. <laughs> it does, actually. But it doesn't have, you don't have to wear long dresses all the way down to your ankles. You don't have to wear your hair all the way down to your tail. Unless that's your conviction. And if you do it, then do it and go wide open. Just don't put it on nobody else. So if all I, when I say holiness, you think about that, think again. Holiness means to be set apart. Different from this world. That means I don't do some of the things that everybody else does. And I don't care what people think about me. I don't care if they think, well, you think you're better than everybody. Oh, you're legalistic. Oh, you're old school. No, I want my life to be pleasing to God. I just want to be happy. I want to do what makes me happy. Well, do holiness until it makes you happy. Because God's not calling you to be happy. God's calling you to be holy. And I want to strive for holiness until I start getting plum giddy about it. Until I, until I start getting happy about being holy. That where my main thought is not what you think about me, but it's what God thinks about me. I want to live my life in such a way that's pleasing to him. And that when he comes back, and when, when he comes back, not if, but when he comes back for me, I won't be embarrassed when he comes back. Because when he finds me, finds what I'm doing. I want him to find me doing his will. I want him to find me living holy. I don't want him to come back and me be doing something when he snatches me out of this world. <laughs> he snatches me from what I was doing and then all of a sudden I'm standing in his presence. I mean, I didn't know you was coming. <laughs> I wish you'd have gave me a heads up. I'm giving you a heads up today. Here's your heads up. You got to live a life of holiness. A set apart life. It's not good enough just to hear the word. You've got to be a doer of God's word. Christianity is, is imploding on itself. We don't have to worry about attacks from outside we don't have to worry about, at this point, the government shutting us down. COVID about shut, shut us down. Sacrifice is almost shutting us down. You don't have to worry about people, attacks from the outside. You've got to worry about attacks on the inside. People who... Say, I'm a Christian. I'm one of y'all. I love the Lord. 
but their lifestyle looks nothing like a Christian. They're a hindrance to the work of God. And James says, you're just a hearer and not a doer. And your religion is useless. It's powerless. What do I do, pastor? I hope, I, I hope you're listening to me this morning. What do I do, pastor, if my life is not lining up with what you're saying? And yeah, get mad with me if you want to. I don't care. But I didn't say it. I didn't author this. I didn't write this. God said it. God said it. And God is saying it's not good enough just to be a hearer of God's word. It's not good enough just to go through the motions. It's not good enough just to come to church. Is this changing your life? Is it changing the way, you're, way you talk? Is it changing the way you walk? Is it changing the way you love? And if it's not, you don't have the real thing. Somewhere, somewhere down the road, you've exchanged it for a cultural Christianity. So what do I do, pastor? You got to repent. You know what that means? You know what repent means? It means turn away from the direction you're going and go in another direction. It's a bad word today. Stephen Furtick ain't going to say it. Your favorite preacher ain't going to say it. Your TV preacher isn't going to say it. Repentance. But this preacher in this church is going to say it. You've got to repent. We got people who are living as close as they can to sin and still trying to call themselves a child of God. You want to be a leader in the church, you want to do everything in the church, but your lifestyle is terrible. You got a terrible, you, 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 you are the biggest reproach against the gospel of Jesus. I wish you wouldn't say that. I got to say it. I wish I didn't say it either. I wish I could say something like, well, ain't you happy? Don't you love God? And we love God and I love God and you love God. And we all love God and let's love God together and let's go to heaven. But that's not what you need to hear. You've heard enough about loving God and God loving you. Now you've got to turn away from sin. You've got to fall in love with God. God's love is already on display for you. Now do you love God? God in this manner demonstrated his love that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. Not trying to, I'm not trying to build a church on a bunch of Christian wussies. Pansified Christians who can't hear straight talk. I'm building you for when the rain falls. I've got to equip you for a storm that's coming. And there is rain falling and there's going to be a wind that's going to sweep through your house. And are you going to be able to stand? And you're not going to be able to stand unless you build on the rock. Uh, little wussies. I had somebody tell me the other day. That's why I said wussy because it was on my mind. You better be careful what's on your mind. It'll come out your mouth. <laughs> Somebody was telling me the other day, 
they're not from here. They're from New York. That's not another country. That's up uh, north, due north. Hug east, you'll get there. And so she said something about, you know that place. I went through that place. Uh, Luda Wussy. I said, Luda Wussy. I said, who's a wussy? She said, no. I said, that's Luda Wussy. Luda Wussy. Anyway, stand up. I'll stand all across the building. <laughs> Little wissy. Wissy. So I want to ask you. I have to give you a little uh, levity or you'll think I'm mad at you. But I'm not mad, but I am very passionate. And I want to save your life. Save your soul. And the only way I can do that is by telling you the truth. Amen. See, the last thing I want you to do, Keith, which he ain't going to let you do it anyway, but if you were able to do it, you stand before God and say, God, say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And you say, whoa, wait a minute. I done what pastor told me to do. Well, if you do what pastor told you to do, then you'll go to heaven. That's how I got to live my life. That's how I got to talk. That's how I've got to teach. And I'm going to have to be held accountable to what I teach and what I say. So that I'm not mad. I'm desperately asking you, if God is speaking to you through his word, it's not enough to listen. You've got to obey. And you know what will keep us from obeying? I said it. Trust. There's an old song that used to say, trust and obey. Trust and obey. I don't remember the last part. Huh? There's no other way. Trust and obey. I have no idea what y'all just said. Somebody said something. And that's what God is calling us to do. I can't obey unless I trust God. Has God hurt you? Because I've been hurt by a lot of people, but God ain't never hurt me. I can't Some of you, I can't trust. You know why? Because trust is earned. But God has already provided, his track record's perfect that I can trust him. So if God's telling me he's to do something that it hurts, I gotta trust him because pain is part of the process. I had some, I talked to somebody a couple days ago and I'm just using this as an illustration. They said, Pastor, Sat down in my office and said, Pastor, I'm in a homosexual lifestyle. But God is speaking to me. And I'm ready to change. And you know what I said to her? To them? 
I said, this is going to be hard. Because it's hard. See, for them, they built a life around this thing. But I said, if, you, if you've made your mind up, God will make a way of escape. A way out. So I don't know what you're dealing with, but I'm telling you, that's hard. To, 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 to lose, to change your whole life. Something you've built with someone, but say, I'd rather be pleasing to God and celebrate the rest of my life. Friend, that's somebody who loves God. That's somebody who loves God. I'm willing to sacrifice what I want, self, for what God wants. Radical, ain't it? It's radical, ain't it? That's what God's asking for us, to love Him more than we love ourselves. To want Him more than we want what pleases us and makes us happy. I ended last week with this and I'll end the same week. How many people have said, I just want to be, how long has it been since you said, I just want to be like you, Jesus. After the rain. How long has it been since you said in your prayer, Jesus, 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 I just want to be like you. I just want to be like you. I know there's a struggle. God, I know there's a pull wanting me to go this way. And then I feel your spirit pulling me to go this way. I know I've got to persevere, but I'm ready to fight. I'm not going to roll over and say, well, to hell with it all. I want Jesus in my Pentecostal tradition. I can remember some people and their, and their prayer and the way I was trained to pray was simply that. I want to be more like you, Jesus, less like me. We were never okay in ourselves. There was never a place in my Pentecostal tradition where we, where we would say, you're okay, you're okay, you're good, you're good. Never. It was always a strive to be more like Jesus. And you know what? They weren't wrong. They weren't wrong. They weren't wrong. They were passionate. They loved God. We've got to get back to a place where we cry out. It bothers us. Our sin bothers us. And we cry out to God. And tears roll down our face. And we fall on our knees. And we say, God, my sin is not okay with me. <laughs> it's not okay. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like You know what? I feel the Spirit of the Lord right now. So I want to ask you, Josh, Ivy, will you move these mirrors over there against the wall? I want to ask you something. Real quick, yeah, you can take that one. Thank you. 
I've been talking about being a hearer of the, or a doer of the word, not just a hear. Well, you know what the word says before you can get anything right? Before you can be a doer of the word, you got to be a hearer of the word first. And you know what the word says? Come unto me, all you who are tired, burdened down. Come unto me, receive rest for your souls. See, here, now here's a damning, painful, troubling situation is when you're trying to be better and you're trying to do what your conscience is saying and you don't have the power to do it. You want to be better, but you can't be better. Bible says, talks about that, that the Ten Commandments are perfect, but they're powerless. It's what the Bible says in the fact that you can't keep them. But God gave us Jesus who kept them. And He who didn't know any sin one day became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God so that what we could not do by keeping the law Jesus done for us. And if we just place our faith in Jesus, this whole trying but not getting anywhere, that'll end today because the Spirit of God will come and live on the inside of you and you'll have the power to do what you weren't able to do before. So I want to ask you right now, is there anybody in this building, there's been a hundred and 20 something, 100, 120 something people saved this month here at Remnant Church. And I want to ask you if you're not saved. How about getting saved? I'm telling you, it will be the best decision you've ever made in your life. This week has been a great week. This past week, there were some people, they come to my office and sat down. And I was talking to this group of people. There was three of them. I was talking to this, this one person. And then, and then I got through talking to them. And then this other person, I was just drawn to them by the Spirit of the Lord, I guess. And I just said, I, I've got to ask you, are you saved? Wouldn't it be terrible for people to come in, you know, I thought it would be, into my office and lost and walk out lost. I mean, you came into my office, my space, my time, my, I'm going to say what I want to say. So I asked, I said, are you saved? Man, it was like the floodgates broke. I'm not saved. No. So where would you spend where would you spend eternity if you were to die today? I'd go to hell. This person was in a, a not a, I don't want to use that word gang, but it was a motorcycle. Well, you just have to know what they do in those things. 
she was a female. So just by other experiences I've dealt with with people, it's a bad situation. And she could not get over some of the things she'd done. And they were tormenting her. She looked like she was tormented. And then that mechanism that always happens, I'm trying to do better. I, I look down on nobody who says I'm trying to do better. Because did you know what? Do you know what most people are trying to do better? There are not many people who say, I'm trying to screw everything up. No, they're trying to do better, but they don't know how to do better. And the fact is, they can't do better. They can't do better without Jesus. And I, I said, well, we can get saved. And I told her all about Jesus. What did I tell her? I told her that Jesus died for us and instead of us, that we had broke the law of God and there was a fine that was to be paid and the fine was of sin is death, that Jesus died in our place. So he died for us and he died instead of us and all you gotta do is place your faith in Jesus. And you won't go to hell, you'll go to heaven and your sins will be forgiven and your past will be erased and all those things that you can't forgive yourself, God the supreme ruler and authority will forgive you and if God can forgive you then there is no reason why you can't forgive yourself because you are not higher than God. God is the chief ruler, executive, and judge, and sentencer, and it stops with him. So if he forgives you, you can forgive yourself. No lie, y'all. I watch this. They don't live here. They were only here for a week. No lie. When she... She looked like a different person when she came to New Believers. I'm talking about two hours. But I told her, I said, hey, you just got saved. I said, you're in, you're in luck. New Believers small group is in two hours. And I'm not lying to you. I'm not exaggerating. She looked like a completely different person. The weight, torment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you're not saved, what will people think about me, Pastor, if I say I'm not saved? Uh, I'll tell you what they'll think about you. They'll, they'll, they'll think you made the best decision of your life. Of your life. These, are, these people, hey, these people are crazy. They will rejoice with you. They will celebrate with you. If you want to cry, we'll cry with you. We are not going to embarrass you. We're not going to put you to shame. We are going to rejoice in what God has done in your life because he done it for us. So I want to ask you right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask you right now if you're not saved. You want to know Jesus. You, 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 you're what I feel God speaking to me is you're trying really hard, but you're not getting where you want to be. That's what I feel in my spirit. If that's your cry today, I'm trying really hard, but I'm not getting where I want to be. I'm in a fight for my life.
I'm struggling. I need Jesus. If that's you, lift your hand right now all across this building. If that's you, don't be ashamed. Don't be scared. Jesus said he'll never put you to shame. Ma'am, woman, I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Don't leave here. Remember the song I sang before I preach? I see that hand back there. You got to lift it high where I can see it. Remember that song I sang about leaving your burden at the altar? That God's here. I feel like just holding on just a little longer. I see that hand, buddy. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, I've tried. I've tried. Don't walk out of here crying with tears in your eyes. Oh, you should have raised your hand. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be a here. I see your hand. Don't be a here. Only be a doer. Anybody else right now? Raise it high. Raise it high. Raise it high. Raise, I see that hand, ma'am. God was waiting on you. I see that hand. Who else? I see that hand. I see that hand. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.